This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Oh, that party is picking up down here at Canada Place for Canada Day celebrations. We are live on location. Come down and see us. Come and say hi. But right now, it's time for our hot question of the day. And of course, we have a Canadian theme to this. We wanted to know what you think is the greatest Canadian invention of all time. So I had to narrow this down to four choices. And there were a lot to choose from. For instance, the pager was a Canadian invention. That did not make my list. The garbage bag. I did not know this, was a Canadian invention, also did not make my list. And here's why. So the four that I chose is in 1949, the pacemaker was invented by a couple of Canadian surgeons. So that's obviously on the list. Or maybe you think in 1891, the game of basketball being invented by Sir James Naismith, that was the greatest Canadian invention of all time. Or maybe in 1921, when Frederick Banting... Uh, created insulin was that the greatest greatest Canadian invention of all time or in 1901 radio communication was used for the first time and developed by a Canadian was that the greatest Canadian invention of all time so those are your choices the pacemaker the game of basketball insulin or radio communication which one of those is the greatest Canadian invention of all time so you can email me your choice on this. Let me know what you think. Simi at cknw.com. You can also go online and vote. You can find us on Twitter, Simi Sarah 980 or you can go to the CKNW account, which is just at CKNW, and cast your vote. Right now, I mean, we've got more than 100 votes already on this thing. And 66% of people are saying that back in 1921, when insulin was invented, that that was the greatest Canadian invention. 27% second place. 1901, radio communication, greatest Canadian invention. You tell us what your thoughts on this. We'll keep checking back on. We hope you are enjoying your Canada Day. Hopefully you're enjoying the sunshine out there. Uh, it is beautiful no matter where you are. It seems like it's in Metro Vancouver right now. It's pretty nice. So there's lots of celebrations going on. And as mentioned, we are live down at Canada Place. We'd love for you to come down and join us today. We've got a great prize to give away coming up this afternoon, 5 o'clock. We'll do a draw for a Harbor Air trip for two from Vancouver to Victoria that includes a three-hour whale watching tour. So easy to win this thing. All you have to do is visit us in the booth, fill out a form, put it in a box, boom, done. That's it. So come on down and see us here. Now, it is crazy busy already at this hour of the morning. There's a lot. There's like 12 hours to go down here still. So we thought we would check in with Jillian Banky, who's the manager of community relations and events at the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority. And of course, they're putting on this event today. Jillian, hi. Hi. I'm so glad you could take a couple of minutes because it's crazy down here right now. <laughs> it is. It is. It's very busy already for sure. Why do you think that is? You know, I think it's something to do with the 
fact that the weather has been great for a couple of days. And so people are already in the summer spirit and it's a great day and they just want to be down here to celebrate Canada. And there's also a couple of cruise ships that are in. There so are three cruise ships in dock right now. Moving. Yeah, it's a busy day. And they're all wandering around. <laughs> they are. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get them to the terminal so they can actually check in and get on their boats. Oh, but, uh, okay. Yeah. That's a bit chaotic <laughs> for them, I would imagine. Yeah. And I was noticing at the Vancouver Convention Center, there's a big crowd up there, like on the top floor. What's going on up there? There is an international Irish dancing festival happening there, a competition. What? Yeah, 4,000 people in town for this Irish dancing competition. It's a pretty big deal. So they're looking down on us being like, what the heck is going on down there? Because they're in the zone. They're competing for their Irish dancing competition. Uh, absolutely. All right, so there is a lot going on. Tell me about some of the events happening today. Well, there is stuff happening all over this area. We, inside Canada Place, there's some of our activity zones. We have our innovation zone, which is all about sustainability and really cool inventions for the future. Yeah. And then we have our kids zone in Hall A, which we have a pop-up planetarium. We have a mascot dance-off at 3 p.m., which what? I personally will be watching. Uh, and then the Canadian Forces Zone, which is in Hall B under the sails at Canada Place. And it is one of the most popular zones every year. They really bring the big stuff. So it's amazing. A mascot dance-off. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm totally stuck on that because I want to know which mascots are we talking about here. Uh, okay, so I believe the roster was Finn from the Canucks, uh, Bob Brown Bear from the Canadians. Uh, we have Salty the Seagull from the Vancouver Fraser Port Authority, of course. Um, what about that Metro Vancouver one? We didn't get them. The one that was like the poop, that one. Pee and poop. Yeah. yeah. They were uh, booked, I believe, maybe for what? Surrey. I'm not sure. I think <laughs> they were booked for another Canada Day event. And we, we couldn't get them. They're in demand. Uh, that would have been a, so. like, a show closer. <laughs> it really would. Able to do it that. really would. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay, so that's just going on. That's just what's going on over that's there. That's just inside the building. So then outside the building, right. we have on the north point of Canada Place, which I refer to as the pointy part, uh, <laughs> that is the Coast Capital Savings Youth Zone. And so there's a great stage there with a lineup headliners, Dirty Radio are on stage there. Um, there's a ton of activities happening out there specifically to the youth market. Right. And then at Jack Pool Plaza, we have the Picnic Plaza where you can go with Parks Canada and learn to camp. There is a henna activation. There's some vendors there that have some really great stuff. And Axewood Axe Throwing is here and they're doing oh, axe throwing. I so love that. Super awesome. Right on the north end of Jack Pool Plaza. We used to be down there. Yeah, uh, I know. I did the show live from that end a couple of times. Yeah. And I, oh, just, I remember watching the axe throwing. It was right in front of yeah. us. I just wanted so badly to get up and like Well, and this in. year you can. The public can actually do it with Axewood. So yeah, it's excellent. I think you each get about seven minutes and you just get to huck the axes. So it's going to be uh, awesome. We really need to have like my producer Alan step in <laughs> and do some of the shows so I can get down there Absolutely. and do that. Uh, and you've got tons of food? We have tons of food trucks down here on Canada Place Way. Lots of different options for you. And then of course right here, right where you are, we have the main stage. So this opens up at noon and there are a ton of awesome performances. Yeah. There's And we've mixed it up so it's not just music. There's also dance. There's bhangra. There's Scottish dancing. Uh, we have can a we great... Get the Irish dancers to come down and you do know it's too? funny they're not coming on stage they're a little bit occupied with their competition <laughs> oh, championships and then Delhi to Dublin is our headliner and they're on at 5:30. so I'm cool. super excited for that okay and of course the fireworks tonight of course the fireworks they are on at 10 30 this evening all right and what's the key to making sure you get a good view for the fireworks Jillian <laughs> because that's always tricky well there are lots of places you can see them yeah. but if you want to avoid crowds I recommend we have a fireworks viewing zone on the west promenade of Canada Place you can get the tickets at tickets.tonight.com and they are $15 but that goes to charity all proceeds go to charity and kids five and under are free so it's a limited capacity so you won't be in the crowds also this is important easy access to washrooms that type that's of thing huge. <laughs> that's huge that's yeah. huge
That's pretty nice. Then you get a clear view of the fireworks it's, from up there. It's the best view for sure. Okay, and I, I did. I, I missed this this morning, but I wanted to talk about this. A lot of the Canada Day celebrations also center around the fact that there are citizenship ceremonies going on. Yeah, and there was one that happened here this morning. Absolutely, nine thirty this morning. We had a citizenship ceremony. We welcomed sixty new Canadians, and it was. It's my favorite part of the day, yeah. actually. I mean, the whole day's awesome, but that is a really meaningful day. You see the people so excited to become Canadian and really, you know, get their certificates and they all come dressed up and there's a lot of emotion in the room. It's just wonderful. Oh, I wish I had seen that. I know we're going to be talking to a couple of people who became Canadian citizens today. Amazing. Yeah, that's going to be coming up later on the show. But, you know, it seems to me, Jillian, this this event gets bigger every year. Do you think that's true? Uh, I do think it's true. I think um, after Canada 150, I really feel like everything is a little bit smaller (laughs) because that was such an epic day. It was two days long as well. Um, But it's... (laughs) The way you think about it, when you're like remembering it, it's almost like, I'm so glad that's over. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I still think back to how busy that was. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I do. But I think we are, um, we're seeing different crowds every year. I think that people make this sort of one of their bucket list items that they do want to come down at some point. Sometimes they have a family barbecue, but then they always end up coming down here at some point in the year uh, or in the last few years or for future few years. So uh, it's good. It's usually about 250,000 people during the day. So holy moly. Okay. And we should remind people that it is hot. Yes. Please, yes. We have water stations on site. Yeah, where are those? Um, there is one right on the front plaza of Canada Place, and there is one just across from Jackal Plaza in the Shaw Plaza there. Um, and uh, there, so water stations, bring your water bottles, make sure you're wearing sunscreen, wear a hat, stay hydrated. I mean, it's it's not even 11 o'clock, and it is hot, hot. out here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so all of that is available as well. And where are the washrooms? There are <laughs> washrooms down here on Canada Place Way, just okay. at Thurlow, basically. And then also inside the Convention Center East, inside Canada Place, there are washrooms as well. Okay. And you've got a lot of street closures around here. In the, does that, get, does yes. that continue throughout the day, the street it closures? It does. Yeah. The street closures uh, continue throughout the day, and they actually get more and more closed as we approach fireworks. Uh, so it will be harder and harder to get immediately into this area. Uh, I mean, this street is closed. Canada Place Way is closed right now. Right. Um, but everything will basically be shut down. by about 6 p.m. I would say I recommend transit or parking several blocks away and walking in because it's you just won't get a car down here and what is the best way to walk in because you can't just wander down here there's a couple of entrance points Burrard is your best entrance point you can enter at Thurlow as well um, but we're encouraging everybody if they're coming let's say from Waterfront Station that they walk along Cordova and then they turn right on Burrard to access the space so how um, how long does it take for you guys to plan this thing about six months Really? Yeah. So like at Christmas time, you're starting to think about Canada Day. Yeah, absolutely. Because the footprint, because the main event space is similar each year, um, a lot of that planning is already sort of underway and familiar. Um, But so otherwise it would take much longer, but we were able to do it in about six months. Okay, well, Jillian, you've got a busy day ahead of you. So are you just like around and supervising? And uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm a runner today. So I, I listen to my production team and I listen to my team and uh, I do what they tell me to do. <laughs> By the way, we have to ask, uh, one, do you have a favorite Canadian song? Oh my gosh, that I was not expecting that question. I mean, don't say Glass Tiger because everybody's going to say like Glass Tiger. I know. You know, I'm going to tell you this is not my favorite Canadian song, but the first thing that popped in my head was the good old hockey game. 
I think we have that. <laughs> I think we definitely have that on our list today because we're asking people to uh, tell us what their favorite yeah. Canadian song is. Yeah. That's funny that that's, you couldn't even help it. <laughs> no, I was like, just automatically <laughs> popped into your head. We'll play that as we go to break today. Uh, Jillian, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your time today and good luck. Thank you. Happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day to you. That is Jillian Banky. She is, of course, running things down here on Canada Day. Great big event that we've got happening at Canada Place. Uh, all, like, it's like four blocks blocked off and you can come on down here. It's already started. We've got lineups to play games. We've got contests. There is food. You name it. We've also got uh, fireworks going on tonight at 1030. But again, if you can't make it downtown, check your local community as well. Lots of different events going on all over BC today to celebrate Canada Day. But let's talk some Canadian history, but specifically some Vancouver history here as well on this Canada Day. The city of Vancouver is 133 years old this year. So we wanted to talk about that as well. Joining me is Will Woods, Chief Storyteller with the Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. Hi, Will. Hi, Simi. How are you doing? I am good, thank you. Thank you for having me. How did you get into doing this as a line of work? You must be a great storyteller. Oh, well, I was really inspired by a couple of uh, tours I'd been on in Edinburgh, Scotland, the Edinburgh Ghost Tours and the Underground Seattle Tour, which I imagine many of your listeners have been on. And I thought, well, Vancouver needs something like that. And so I enrolled in acting school for a year. I buried myself in the archives. I'd already been a big history nerd for many years. And then uh, I started with a walking tour on prohibition history in Vancouver, which is so little known I think we even had prohibition in Canada everyone thinks about the US but yeah we had it here as well and uh, it's been rolling since then we still do a prohibition tour the forbidden Vancouver tour and we have uh, five walking tours now 12 guides and we're going every day of the week yeah. so this worked out well for you is what oh you're it's saying. been great yeah it's been great <laughs> well, you know what with tourism as crazy as it is because like look at all the people just around here with suitcases and things and rolling around I could see why they would look to do something like this where do you find all your information where do you dig uh, and the funny thing about, you mentioned tourism, about half our guests are actually locals and we design really? our tours really for locals, yeah, trying to pick topics that people really be interested in. Cool. Um, but the archives have been fantastic, special collections at the Vancouver Public Library and um, I'm uh, heavily involved in the local history scene with uh, writers like Eve Lazarus, Aaron Chapman, John Belshaw. Who, I went uh, to high school with Aaron Chapman. Oh, is that I right? I went to journalism school with Eve Lazarus. Oh, too so yes. funny. It's a small, <laughs> small world. world. Small yeah, world, it yeah. really is. Uh, now, I love these stories that you came up with because I don't know a lot about these, and I'm a history buff as well, but you're right. We tend to neglect our very local history. So tell me about this mobster. Okay, so Joe Salona. He arrived here in Vancouver in 1921, and uh, his original name was Giuseppe Fiorenza. Where do you think he was from, Simi? I'm guessing Italy. He was from Italy. He came here via New York City, and uh, I think it's fair to say the accusations that he was in the Mafia were accurate. And uh, within weeks, he'd had a couple of tussles with the law already. He was arrested for assaulting a police officer. Here in Vancouver? Here in Vancouver. Oh. And he, he was a bootlegger, which means he made illegal booze. He ran illegal drinking dens, and he operated a number of what were called bawdy houses, houses of ill repute, houses of ill fame, disorderly houses. Like brothels. Brothels. Got it. And uh, he had some tussles with the law early on. By the mid-twenties, he was untouchable. He was known as the mayor of East Hastings. Really? And he had a huge house in Shaughnessy. He was uh, a public inquiry. He he was uh, quite open and transparent about his bribing of senior police officers, including taking the chief of police himself on a cruise in Salona's private yacht up Indian Arm. So he was paying off people. <laughs> he was paying off the police. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. So this was not this kind of pure upstanding town that everybody thinks that we not were. Not in the 1920s it wasn't. And uh, it wasn't until 1934 when Salona had 
one of those weeks, you know, when you have a terrible week and nothing goes right. Yes. So Salona had a good run here for about 10 years and uh, things started to go badly wrong for him. December 1934. What happened? When his wife, Josie, isn't that sweet? Joe and Josie Salona. No, Josie came home and found Salona in bed with another woman. That tends and, to go downhill uh, after that, which, you know? Uh, didn't go well for Joe mainly because Josie was holding a revolver in her hand and she uh, she shot Joe. Newspapers would say in the hip, but a less decorous oh. account would say the backside was where he got hit. Apparently she fired the gun so it wouldn't go off no more, she told the police later. So, he, so, so she was, was aiming lucky. to kill him. Salona was lucky, really. Uh, he, he was ever the gentleman. He told the doctor that he was cleaning his gun and it went off accidentally and somehow shot him uh, in the rear. I don't know how you how he managed to do that. that Today, <laughs> that I don't think like, forensic files would not let you get away with that at no, all. No. But, so he didn't want the publicity, essentially. So he, and he, he, he wanted to uh, sweep all this under the, under the carpet. Um, she was arrested, and uh, she would go to on trial for attempted murder of her husband. She Even was, though he was testifying that it didn't let that what So they, they ignored his report on this. She went to trial. She told the police officer she tried to shoot him oh. until, he, until he died, right? And uh, she was found guilty of attempted murder, and she was given two days in jail as her sentence. Two days. Two days, which really wow. shows whole different world. The kind of then, value right? the well, justice system placed on Joe Sloan's life at that time. You said there were two things that went bad. <laughs> oh, so that right, was one. right. So that was one. So five days later, well, there's a new mayor in town. We'd had a mayor, L.D. Taylor, who'd like to turn a blind eye to organised crime. We're going to hear a little bit more about shortly. Okay. A new mayor was in town. Jerry McGear and Jerry McGear's 1934 campaign slogan was I'm going to Barcelona that was the ticket that he ran on clever Barcelona I'm going to Barcelona and he did within within days of becoming mayor Sloan was under arrest for operating boardy houses right and he got 11 years in jail he served nine years in jail when he came out true to form in the 1940s he was straight back into bootlegging the building He's right there on East Hastings, above a grocery store that he had his bootlegging operation. Still there today, the same really? building, yeah. And uh, it wasn't until 1956, when Salona was by now an old man, that he, he retired from his life of crime. And he said, I'll do my best to quote Joe for you. That's okay. <laughs> There's no dough left in bootlegging. All the body houses are closed down. And now they stop a man from taking a few on his bets. <laughs> Oh, gambling, <laughs> prostitution, oh man, alcohol, you name it. Wow, who yeah. knew Vancouver had that history? That's a great story, but also let's hear about E. Pauline Johnson. Yeah, a very this? different story, a very different okay. story E. Pauline Johnson. Her name's probably familiar to many of your listeners, I imagine. I have heard this name, yes. And uh, we talk about her story on our Dark Secrets of Stanley Park tour. Of course, we can see beautiful Stanley Park from right where we are here. And, Do you go uh, at nighttime? We go in the afternoon. So in the wintertime, it's like getting dark. That'd be but really in the summertime, yeah, in the summertime, really it's uh, so we've done it before with flashlights, you know, because the trails get so dark in the wintertime, you can't see anything. Um, and we talk about uh, one of the stops we talk about is uh, as Dead Man's Island. We talk about Lost Lagoon, and these places are really uh, wrapped up in, in Pauline Johnson and, and her story. Okay, and she was she was born 1861 on a reserve in Ontario. Okay, her father was a Mohawk chief. And her mother was an English woman, so she had a quite a unique upbringing. Mm -hmm. And so her father schooled her in this uh, oral history of the Mohawk people. And her mother schooled her. Her mother was a, a, an aficionado of English literature. Schooled her in the poetry of Byron and Yeats. It's quite a unique upbringing. Right. And so um, in her later life, she became a writer, an actor, a performer. She traveled the world to great acclaim, bringing indigenous culture to a, a global audience. She moved here in 1909 to Vancouver. 
and she befriended a man called Joe Capilano, who was the chief of the Squamish Nation, right? Himself, by the way, a remarkable man. So he became Squamish chief in the the late 1800s, and he set about traveling the lower mainland, Vancouver Island, trying to gather support from other local First Nations to try and change the situation around what was called native rights at the time. And this culminated with him going all the way to London, England, 1906, with a delegation of First Nations leaders from this area, where he met the king, King Edward VII, at Buckingham Palace, Wow! to say, hey, we need to make some changes here in Canada. We need to have proper protection for indigenous land. That's impressive. Yeah, really incredible feat. And uh, we never hear about that. I know, I know. Really ahead of his time. It's remarkable. That is remarkable as well. And so she wrote a poem. Right? Right. Okay, so the connection between these two. Incidentally, when he got back to uh, Vancouver, he was so upset the Roman Catholic Church had not supported his mission to meet the king that he expelled them from Squamish Reserve Land. Oh. So he took on some real heavyweight opponents in his life, Joe Capilano. And when Pauline Johnson moved here in 1909, they became great friends. They hiked the North Shore Mountains, the dark forest of Stanley Park, and he told her the oral history of the Squamish people, which she wrote down in verse in a book called Legends of Vancouver, which is really uh, a vital piece of uh, literature from Vancouver's past. Oh, and the party is definitely getting started down here at Canada Place, where we are live on location. Yes, you can stop by and visit us, check out some great food, some great music, as you can hear in the background, and some great stories, because that's what we're talking about right now with the help of Will Woods, who is our chief storyteller from the Forbidden Vancouver Walking Tours. And you've got more great people to tell us about, right? I want to tell you about L.D. Taylor. Who's L.D. Taylor, L.D. Taylor is a fellow that we feature on our Forbidden Vancouver tour. He wasn't born here in Vancouver. came from Chicago. Okay. he had the uh, belly Monday occupation of banker in Chicago. His bank collapsed. He was charged with embezzlement. He was arrested, put out on bail. So what do you think he did then? I think he skipped bail. He skipped bail. Where did he come? (laughs) Took that money and ran to Canada. Where did he go? That's right. Vancouver was the last stop on the train, right? So he jumped off. Got himself a job as a newspaper reporter here in really? at the World News. So he was in the media business and he ended up editor and then finally owner of the newspaper. It was one of the biggest newspapers in Vancouver at the time. And then about 1909, 1910, we had a big construction boom then that was happening in the city. Yeah. And he thought, I need a grand monument to myself and my newspaper. So he got some funds together and he built what would be called the World Building. Today called the Sun Tower. Oh, still I know this building on Beatty Street, right? Oh, yeah, exactly right, yeah. Under construction right now with the, the green domed roof at the top. It's a fabulous piece of architecture. A lot of people will go, what is that? I go, it's a building right by where Jam Cafe is and where all those right. great restaurants are down exactly there. Exactly right, yeah. exactly right. And so he put his office right in the top under that green dome. Imagine did. the views he had. This was the tallest commercial building in the British Empire when it was built. He must have loved that. Oh, was this yeah. with the embezzled money or was this the money that he made off of this the This was newspaper? money of the newspaper. And he borrowed. He was heavily in debt. And he ran into big trouble when the economy turned around, went bankrupt, 1914, couldn't get anyone to rent space from him, lost control of the building and the newspaper. Really? What do you think he did then? I don't know. Ran for mayor. He did not. <laughs> he, did. he did, he ran for mayor. Did he win? He, he won by a landslide. He was. He served as mayor into the 1930s. He's our longest running mayor we've ever had. This Vancouver. guy? Yeah. Longer than Robertson, yeah. This crooked guy? This guy, this guy yeah. Wow. I know, I know. Uh, also, I understand he was also a bit of a bigamist. He, he was. So he left his, he fled, fled Chicago, left his wife and kids in the States, remarried here, didn't divorce. Didn't bother like divorcing Eventually or... he did. There was a big overlap of like a couple of years, yeah. And like, nothing ever happened. So he, he was a bankrupt. He for this embezzlement charge. He had known links to organized crime. Remember right. that, uh, I talked about Joe Salona yeah. earlier. 
they were close friends. They, he, at this public inquiry. So this was the mayor this is the that mayor. Jerry McGeer right. beat exactly eventually. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. I did not so know that. So this public inquiry about corruption in City Hall, Taylor takes the stand and he says, we're a port city. This ain't no Sunday school town. <laughs> wow. So he figured that that he, just allows them to all, go and do this. It was all under his watch, all this, all this corruption. Such debauchery. And, uh, and the other funny little fact about him in when he was 71 in 1928 so he was no spring chicken he was no at a, pro, chicken, no, yeah. a promo event in uh, vancouver airport he just kind of newly opened international airport down there he jumped out of a plane as a sprightly 71 year old walked into a propeller was almost decapitated apparently if he'd been half an inch taller he would have lost his head oh my goodness and he was within a month he was back at city hall chairing meetings the guy was indestructible Unreal story. <laughs> wow. Somebody needs to make a movie about that know, guy, I right? Know, they do, they That's do. an HBO miniseries <laughs> if I ever heard it, the Canadian version. Uh, who's Francis Rattenbury? Francis Rattenbury. He was from England originally, right? Where I originally hail from. And uh, he was an architect. Never formally trained, but he came out here. I'm a, sorry. He just decided he was an architect. You know, like, trained, I could decide that himself. Today. Did some reading. There was no, I don't know what, how he, there was no, uh, no YouTube in those These days. People, I'm not sure yeah. what, how he did it, but he, he, uh, he claimed an architecture training and he got out here and the, the BC government was running a competition to design the parliament buildings in Victoria. Oh, of fabulous course. buildings. Yes. Competition to say, okay, local architects, put your plans in, we'll pick the best one. So no one had heard of this guy, Rattenbury. He was only 25 years old. So he did his whole plan. He submitted it under the pseudonym, a BC architect. And he won. He didn't. And that, that building was designed by him. And you can imagine his career was set from that point on. And he didn't even have any formal training. No formal training. Flying by the seat of his pants. He must have been a smart guy to build a building like that. It's, it's a phenomenal achievement. And so what happened to him then after that? Well, and I, I mean, he's not, he wasn't a Vancouver. He lived in Victoria. But he did design a fabulous building that we have in the city today. So I think we can claim him partly as one of okay. us. And that's the Vancouver Art Gallery, which was the courthouse. That was one oh, of his creations. Oh, I love that building. Yeah, 1906. That I neo, look at that building every day. Yeah. So everything was going well. He was this superstar architect. He was married to a woman called Florence. He lived in, lived in Victoria. And then scandal struck. As he, it always seems to do. He got divorced. Oh, no. Oh, no. A big deal in those days. Back in the well, at least he got a divorce, unlike the last guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true enough. Right? Yeah. That's true. That's true. And he so then what rules, happened to him? Yeah, he took a much younger wife, 30 years his junior, called Alma. And uh, he couldn't get work after that. He was shunned by high society here well, in BC. Yeah. So he moved back to England and lived out the rest of his years. He was in his 60s now on his country estate when uh, he was beaten to death by his wife's 18-year-old lover, George Stoner, with a croquet mallet. Ouch! An, an Agatha Christie way to go there. And that wasn't an Agatha Christie way to go. Will, thank you so much for that. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate that. I learned so much. I love those kinds of stories. That is awesome. Where can people find out more about your tours? Forbidden Vancouver. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. .ca has all the information about our walking tours, and we're running every day, all season. Sounds good. Thank you for that, Thank Will. Thank you, Simi. Appreciate your time on that today, celebrating Canada Day with us and giving us some great Canadian history there.
That's right. We are live down at Canada Place today. Come on down and say hi to us. There's a great crowd here. We're going to talk food coming up in just a moment. But, you know, when you come down here, there's all sorts of different things that you can do. There's contests. You should see the lineup uh, for people who want to play some games over at the Sea Fox and Rock 101 booth there as well. We have contests here as well. If you stop by and see us at the CKNW booth, we've got some entry forms here for you to fill out. So easy for you to do that. And with the prize that we have for you is a return trip for two from Vancouver to Victoria with a three-hour whale-watching tour. Uh, this is thanks to our friends at Harbor Air. It is valued at more than $900, and it's the easiest thing you're going to win today. It is just an entry form that you have to fill out. That's it. So come on down and do that. We'll pick a winner in the 5 o'clock hour this afternoon. Jody Vance filling in on the Linda Steele Show. So they'll be live down here, and come on down and enter that. Now, let's talk about food. Because that is such a big part of Canada Day. We have some amazing food with us. In fact, I just spent the last 10 minutes during the entire break eating. And that is thanks to our good friend George Sue is with us now, the co-owner of Memphis Blues Barbecue. Hi, George. How are you? Happy I'm Canada good. Day. Happy Canada Day. Thanks for bringing all this down. Absolutely. What did you bring here for us? Just explain I got to you us. some 14-hour brisket and some 4-hour ribs. And I know you love the brisket. I do love the brisket. Because you know what? Brisket's really hard to, like, hard to get right. Why is that? It's a working muscle, right? If you picture the animal, it's like the chest plate. So to get a good cut, make friends with the butcher and tell them what you want, all right? And uh, tell them, don't trim all the fat off. If you're a novice starting out, a little yeah. fat is good because it's a little more forgiving than if you do a really lean cut. Right. Right. Now, we have a pit at every store, and it takes 14 hours. However, you can do that on your home barbecue. Can you? Yeah, low and slow, indirect. So you have one side going and the other side is off. And if it's a propane uh, a barbecue, you can always adjust the temperature, right? Okay. 250-ish. Perfect. So Leave keep it very there. low, but you don't even want to put it on that direct Ooh, heat. Okay, so low. let's start from the beginning now. Let's say I want to make brisket. One, I should have started three days ago if I wanted it for today, <laughs> right? Or just come in and get some. <laughs> today you're going to have to go in and see George at Memphis Blues. But let's say on another occasion I wanted to do that. Yeah. What, are the, what do I tell the butcher when I go in to get this? What do I look for? Okay. Uh, a brisket has a what I call a nose end, which is the fattier end, right. and then the tail end where it becomes very lean. Try to get a piece that's somewhere in the middle if you're starting out as a novice, right? So okay. you have a blend. Do a nice rub, you know, a nice dry rub. You don't have to marinate it. You don't have to braise it. You don't have to do anything like that. You guys have a nice dry rub, though. And yes. you at Memphis Blues Barbecue, you have a cookbook. Yes, we do. And the, the rub recipe's in there, isn't it? I seem yes, to remember. Yes, it is. And uh, we do a little more of a savory rub for the brisket. It's a little tribute to Texas, so uh, it's got a little bit of uh, chili in it, some cumin. Mm. And uh, just rub it. Turn on your barbecue. Now, the side that has the flame, you can get one of those little metal boxes and fill it right. with wood chips that you can soak for about an hour before. Throw it all in there. Put it on the fire side. Okay. Okay? Take your brisket on the other side. Leave it off. Put it on there. Shut the lid. Keep it at 250. That's it? That's it. For at least, well, if you're doing it at home, try to do a piece that's only about five pounds because it'll, you know, definitely. Well, how big uh, do you, is yours that you guys do? They're, they come in at around 15 to 18 pounds. Holy moly. They're big And that's a 14-hour one. Yeah. So if I do a five-pound one at home, how long is that going to take me? Probably about six to seven hours. That's not too bad. No. And, it, you know, the whole thing about this is getting people over, bringing people together, having a few drinks, yeah. talking while this is going. And the last hour, hour and a half, wrap it in tinfoil, put it back. 
So it starts to sweat and break down all those little... Like the jiggly, out. fatty parts on top? Yeah. How do you feel about the fat cap? Right, because I know that some people swear by making sure you've got a fat cap, but if you don't, putting fat on top of it. Putting fat doesn't really work for me. No? I think it's got to be connected. So when they, when the fat is melting, it kind of runs through little veins yeah. of the meat, and it breaks it down, right? And when, if you're afraid of fat, take it out when you're ready to eat, and get your blade underneath. Don't cut the bark off, which is that nice black crust that yeah. you see here. I get ate your most blade of mine. in. There's a little bit left. <laughs> <laughs> Get your blade in between there, yeah, and take it out. It scoops it out like Jello. It just comes right out. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like George looks so happy right now describing <laughs> that, but I know a lot of people would be like, "Fat like Jello? That's gross." No, it's <laughs> it just jiggles and it comes out right, and then you can cut it cross grain. Make sure it's cross cross grain. And the other thing about brisket is like, if you don't eat it right away, or if you don't look after it, it can really toughen up quite quickly, can't it? It can. Yeah. But you know what? Slice it thin. Like if you have a really lean piece, yeah. you're going to have to slice it super thin and have sauce. Some people like that. I but you guys slice it pretty thick. Well, it's not that thick, but I just did it for you because I know you love it. And I cut a medium piece yeah. so you can see that the fat had run through and it's yes. so tender, Thank but there's you. no fat on it because no. it's stripped through. And I took the blade and I stuck it in there and I pulled it out. Now, that must be really tough, though, for you guys with, when it comes to consistency of your product, right? Because no. how do you manage that then? You know what? Um, every load, when it comes out, we have to taste it. I know it sounds kind of... Oh, that's kinda, tough for I know you. it's a tough that's job. That's really hard. And the staff... Uh, you let me they know all when you have an it. opening on that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we hired... You're just a taster. You're the brisket. And every load that comes out, whether it's ribs, chickens, whatever, we all just taste it. And then sometimes they have to go back. And you know, as soon as it comes out, you got to wrap it and put it in the holding drawer and away we go. And people come in and you're just serving it. And so like when you're sold out, you're sold out. That's right. And that does happen. Unless you want to come back tomorrow. That's you got to start all over again at <laughs> yes, that point, right? Exactly. And I think people understand that more, George, right? Like now, I like think there's 20 a years ago, if you had told people that, they would have been like, what do you mean you're sold out? Yeah. But now people understand. Yeah. I think it's, we have a barbecue culture now. People get it. Uh, we've been around long enough and, you know, kudos to all my competitors too doing the same thing. And, you know, they do a good job. You guys used to be moving. the only people around and now yeah. there's a ton of barbecue places. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know what? I think people know it just from exposure on TV. Yeah. Big network. Yeah, you know, that's so true. let people know. Now, I didn't bring you pulled pork simply because a lot of people just braise pulled pork. So to them, it's, you know. Anybody can make it make kind it. of thing? Yeah, except you'll end up putting liquid smoke in it to make that smoky or you just have tender pork i mean we still have you know 12 14 pound shoulders that go in and we wow. still pull it every morning and we do it by hand and you know and that's another tasting thing you gotta taste it how did you decide what approach your barbecue was going to take because there's now we also know there's all these different regional styles of barbecue and you said you know the brisket was texas style like how did you know what kind you wanted to do well we it's called Memphis because Park and I did most of our research in Memphis. We ate all around Memphis. Oh, tough too. Right? I know that was really hard for seven days. I was dying. I couldn't like. Couldn't take it anymore. Is there a salad somewhere? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was meat and cornbread and you know some kind of potato mm -hmm. and beans thing every day. And you know what? We we kind of glammed onto that. It's like this is what we want to do, and it's really focused on pork. Yeah. Pork, pork, pork ribs. You know, and then but we thought you know brisket is a big deal yeah and you do chicken as well though yes chicken everybody can do chicken chicken is really easy to do on your on your home barbecue because yeah, it only take same method if you right. want to do that smoking part yeah. same method but it'll only take you about 
an hour and a half, two hours, depending on the size of your chicken. Uh, Is it you use the same rub and everything on the chicken? You do the same rub. Do you stuff it with anything? No. You put anything inside? No. no? Well, you stuff it, it with a beer can, anything you, like that? Well, you could do the beer can method too. I mean, that's a, a whole nother game. But I mean, if you want to just talk about grilling, then most people are just going to grill. Yeah. For instance, I guess uh, grill of choice is steak these days, you know, okay. for this. But there's salmon, there's chicken, you can grill almost anything. And that's a high heat. It's totally different than one, and it's direct. Right. So if you're doing a steak, you know, a nice piece of steak, just salt and pepper it. Crank your grill as hot as you can, keep the lid on it, walk away, 20 minutes later, come in. The dial will be like off the chart. Yeah. That's the temperature you want to grill a steak at. And you just throw it on there. I don't also heard, it. and I can't remember who I heard this from. I don't know if it was like I was reading a story um, with the French laundry guy. Keller. Thomas Keller. I was going to say Thomas. Yeah, Thomas Keller. Uh, where he said like steak on a cast iron pan on the stove is also like the way to go. As long as you don't like smoking out your house. It's a so great true. method. I love doing that. At yeah, home. me too. But I don't mind the smoke in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your neighbors are used to it. It's, we have George Sue with us right now from Memphis Blues, and we're going to talk ribs because you brought some. I had a chance to eat a little bit in the commercial break. Honestly, these breaks are not long enough. I am not getting enough time to eat the food here. Um, but how do you do the ribs so perfectly? Give us some advice for the home barbecue cook. Okay. Again, make friends with your butcher. You, these are side ribs that we're using. Okay. okay. Everybody always thinks you have to have the baby backs. No, you can use baby backs. I like baby backs. Okay. But side ribs are meatier, bigger, and it'll, it'll stretch the dollar when you're feeding a group. Okay. Because they come 12 to 13 bones, and they have a little end piece. Same thing, and they're thicker, way meatier. Okay, so again, dry rub, you can do the same method. What you do is indirect heat, smoke box, put it on there. Okay. Okay. Two and a half hours for these guys in your in your home. Barbecue, wrap it in tin foil, let it sweat for another half. Now here's the trick. Okay. On the direct heat side, turn it down to about medium high if you want that little glaze. Unwrap it, throw it on there. And Just to give it a little yeah, char on and top? then brush your, your your sauce on at the very end. Because most barbecue sauces has a lot of sugar, molasses, all yeah. that. And it'll you know, it'll it'll turn black right away like it'll look like it's burnt so you want to watch that part and literally it's like a minute and a half on each side with the sauce on it take it off and you have these unbelievable so ribs. 250 degrees yep indirect heat yep about two and a half hours yep that's for, per slab for a slab for a whole right? slab yep okay so you can put two or three slabs there the same thing two yeah you can get these uh, uh rib cookers and, and yeah. they stack like this vertically well, okay, that sounds like serious equipment, though. Like, what if no, I just want to do this on a weekend? Not. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> you 20 bucks, there you go, slide it in there, <laughs> walk away, enjoy your guests. Okay, yeah. I will do that. Anybody can do this at home. If not, they Absolutely. can come and see you. Come see me today because you're running out of time. Uh, yeah, you are. How many locations do you guys have now? 11. 11? Yeah, but how many here? In Vancouver, we have the Robson uh, Street one. That's a busy one. I go in there all the time. Yeah. yeah. And then there's uh, Commercial Drive, yeah. which has uh, got a nice bar element to it now. And then, of course, the original uh, Broadway. Travel Broadway, yeah. It's just exactly like a little hole-in-the-wall rib joint that you'll find in Memphis. And so now you guys are really expanding in Alberta. We like Alberta. We like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, we just opened in Red Deer, by the way. Really? And it's fabulous. And uh, all the truckers can now stop and... Get their barbecue and keep going. Have their Elvis or have their Memphis plate or their Elvis plate. I don't have that. Yes, I I hope they don't have a meat coma while they're driving (laughs) after.
<laughs> George, thanks so much for coming down today. It was a pleasure. We appreciate that. Happy uh, Canada Day, everybody. Happy Canada Day. What's your website, by the way? Uh, MemphisBluesBBQ.com. There you go. Check it out. George, thanks again. Oh, we've got so much great stuff going on down here live at Canada Place today as we're celebrating Canada Day. Come on down to the 980 CKNW tent. You can't miss us. Uh, we're right next to the big Global BC blue setup that they've got there. Uh, you have Rock 101, Seafox are also down here. We're kind of right in the middle between the Convention Center and Canada Place. One of the great reasons to come down here is that we've got a contest that you can enter, and it's a good one. Uh, you can enter to win a trip for two return trip from Vancouver to Victoria with a three-hour whale watching tour. Now, this is valued at more than $900, and this is all thanks to our friends at Harbor Air. And we've made it so simple. All you have to do is show up at our CKW booth, fill out an entry form. I'm watching somebody do it right now. Put that in the box, and then at 5 o'clock today, we will be picking a winner uh, in the 5 o'clock hour at some point. Jody Vance filling in on the Linda Steele Show. They will take care of that. So really, come on, your chances of winning this thing are really good. All you have to do is come down to our 980 CKNW booth, fill out the entry form, and it could be all yours. Now, today we've heard about all the different events that are going on down here, but over and over and over again, we've heard about one particular highlight for people on a day like today, and that is checking out the citizenship ceremonies that go on every year on Canada Day. This morning here at the Convention Centre, 60 new citizens were welcomed to the Canadian family. So we thought, let's meet some of the people who had that citizenship ceremony this morning. And that's who we have with us right now. It's Jerda Casey, brand new Canadian citizen. Jerda, thank you and welcome to Canada. Thank you very much. What was that like this morning? Fantastic. Yeah? It's, what a great day to become a citizen. Like, Did you know it was going to be today? Uh, not until a couple of weeks ago, so it was pretty exciting. Now tell us, where did you move from? Ireland. You're kidding, I never could tell. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to Canada? Uh, well, I moved here eight years ago with my boyfriend. At the time, we just finished, uh, we just graduated from university and we decided to do some travel and maybe work and we came on a one-year visa to Canada and stole our hearts and we're still here. What did, what did you love about it when you got here? I think it's the outdoor aspect like it's a beautiful country to live in um, I think we had very good job opportunities here as well for the work that we do um, and a lot of friendships that were made over the time as well and that's all it took right coming yep. here and and so what was the process like then to becoming a Canadian citizen did you find it straightforward it was pretty straightforward yeah um, I mean we obviously were here in a working travel visa to begin with and then became permanent residents and now Canadian citizens uh, it must have been, I mean, Canada's a big country. Yes. Have you had a chance to check out other parts of it? I have. Um, actually, when I was studying in Ireland, I took a, I guess, a placement in Ottawa. So I lived there for three months before. So I got to travel a bit of the East Coast, but I hadn't been as far as the West Coast. So that was kind of the lure to come to Vancouver initially. And settle down here. Yes. And you're married now? Yes. And you have a daughter? I do. They're... He's on changing duty. This is great. <laughs> this is great then as well. Uh, but a lot of people, you know, Jerda, come here and they live here as permanent residents. They don't always take that step towards Canadian citizenship. Why was that so important to you? Uh, I think it was important because, well, more recently because we had a daughter here. So she's a Canadian. And I think that was a huge push for us as well to get our citizenship with her being a Canadian citizen as well. Right. Um, but we've also lived here for eight years. So definitely something that we wanted to pursue. 
How is it like right with now. the maternity leave? Like, what's maternity leave like in Ireland? Maternity leave here is fantastic. Uh, back home, it's probably six months, I think, that you get. Whereas here, it's a year, up to 18 months if you choose. Right. So the maternity leave was fantastic. The services that I received for the healthcare and that was unbelievable. And even follow-up after that, the mommy baby groups that are available, it was just fantastic. So when you look around though, you must think there are some weird and quirky things that Canadians do as well. <laughs> Were there some things that you're like, what is that? I don't get that at all. <laughs> oh, you've caught me on the spot. No? Any weird food? Any Anything that you were like, really? Canada? No, I, I love poutine. Do you? Yeah, chips and gravy or fries. Fries and gravy. There you go. <laughs> some of the things you've had to relearn once you came yes, here. Yes, yes. Lots of things you've had to relearn. Oh, that is so lovely. Was it important for you your daughter to see that today too? Yes. Yeah. Very nice to have just a family occasion. And I'm here at my sister is here with her boyfriend. And I have a brother-in-law as well. That's with my husband at the minute. So everybody has now, is, are they visiting here in Canada? Or are they all <laughs> No, my sister lives here and Donald's brother lives here as well. So they're residents. Who's left in Ireland? <laughs> we have very big families. Okay. <laughs> so it's okay. Yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us and telling us thank about that. Thank you very much. And congratulations. Thank you very much. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. That is Jordi Casey. She is a new Canadian citizen. As of this morning, she is one of the 60 people who had their citizenship ceremony at the convention center this morning. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Simi Sarah. Yes, we are live down at Canada Place for Canada Day celebrations. Got to say, the festivities down here have really picked up. It was steady all day, but I think there's a lot of people now arriving for the afternoon and for the big crowds that are going to be here this evening. So stop by our tent, say hi to us. Of course, we are CKNW live on location. You'll find us right in between the giant Rock 101 red balloon that they've got there and the Global BC TV stage they've got set up on the other side. Uh, enter our contest. We've got a trip for two return trip from Vancouver to Victoria via Harbour Air. Uh, thanks to them for their help with this. And you can just fill out a ballot entry, drop it in the box and it, in the 5 o'clock hour today when uh, Jody Vance is in for Linda Steele we'll pull a name out of that box and maybe it'll be yours. You never know. Uh, let's talk about Canada Day, shall we? We've done a great job today, I think, going all things for Canada. Great songs, great inventions. Right now we're going to talk about those things that make Canadians the most proud. That's what we want to know. Mario Conseco is with us. He is with Research Company, and he's, of course, been polling people on this question. Hi, Mario. Happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, Simi. Great to be here with you. Well, nice to have you here. Now, I know you've been asking this question for a while, right? So what, what exactly were you trying to figure out? <laughs> well, this really started back in 2008. It was uh, meant as an exercise to try to take a look at certain features of Canadian life that might make Canadians feel prize and I've been lucky enough to be asking this uh, question for more than a decade now so now you can take a look at some of the tracking data and see what are the things that are trending upward others that aren't doing so well uh, some things persist of course Canadian flag 93% of Canadians say that they're proud of it armed forces in second place at 89% but the biggest surprise this year was the Canadian economy at 80% a lot of Canadians were saying that they're happy with the situation that we have financially right now Really? And that's interesting because that really grew over the last 10 years, didn't it? It grew immensely. When we first asked about this, it was 62%. Now, mind you, that was a time when we were in the middle of the biggest economic crisis that we've had this century, the mortgage issues in the United States, a lot of unemployment uh, on uh, in North America. So I think that maybe played a role in the way Canadians felt about it then. But to see it go from 62% to 80%, 
certainly suggests that there's many Canadians out there who are happy with the way things are going, at least when it comes to the national finances. Right. Now, Mara, I have to tell you, there were a couple of surprises here for me when it comes to things that saw a big improvement, like an increase in the number of things that people were proud of. For instance, the state of democracy in Canada. Yes, it went from 57% in 2008 to 70% in 2019. So there's a lot of people who are happy with the situation. I think there's a couple of factors. One of them is we've seen uh, results in elections and certain uh, intrusions into democratic life in other countries that have made us uh, realize that what we have here is a pretty good deal. Uh, 57% before, now 70%. A lot of residents were happy with the fact that they get able to vote, that they get able to express who they want to serve as their government and are not facing situations similar to the ones that we have in other countries where elections aren't happening as uh, easily as they are here. Right. And so it may not feel like it, but it also looked like more people were proud of Parliament. (laughs) Yes, it went from 32 percent back in 2008 to 45 percent in 2019. A couple of reasons for this. First of all, we go back to 2008, minority government, a lot of people who didn't vote for the party that was in power were expressing concerns. Now it's 45 percent. What is interesting here is when we go back to the numbers back in 2008, uh, conservative voters were the most likely to say parliament is working great. Now it's liberal voters who are saying everything is fine, don't complain. So depending on who's governing, those numbers are, are going to shift. Oh, that's really interesting then. So that people definitely have a vested interest in that depending on how they voted. Oh, definitely. I think that's a, one of the reasons for the numbers to be high right now is you have a lot of people who are voters of center-left parties. Maybe you voted for the NDP, maybe you voted for the Greens, but you're not entirely dissatisfied with the fact that the Liberals are governing. So we'll have to wait and see what happens this year after the election, and we'll, we'll check again to see if there's more pride after we get to have our say on who is going to be governing us for the next four years. Right. Okay. And of course, this one doesn't surprise me, but I know that Canadians have a lot of pride in the healthcare system. The fascinating issue with this is it goes from 50% in 2008 to 77% in 2019. What have we had in those years? Uh, Discussions about healthcare in the United States, the introduction of Obamacare, which was trying to emulate certain aspects of the Canadian healthcare system. Now we have discussions about going back to the way things were before. But what's interesting to me here is there's a little bit of a gender gap when it comes to the healthcare system, because what we see here is uh, more men saying that the healthcare system makes them uh, uh, proud than women, and also also some regional differences. Ontarians, clearly proud of the system at 90%, but in Alberta and in Quebec, it drops down to lower than 60%. So depending on the way the healthcare system works in your province, that is how proud you feel about it. Uh, also, interesting about that, the differences between provinces, like you asked people about the monarchy as well. The monarchy is an interesting one because we do see a little bit of a shift. It's at 47% right now, and it used to be in the 30s. I think one of the reasons for this is we've had a decade that has been quite active when it comes to the royal family. We had a couple right. of weddings, we had a few babies. Uh, it's been a situation where we've been more exposed to the royal family in that sense. And what we've seen also in some of the other polling that we've conducted on this topic is that um, there's a a high level of favorability for Prince William and for Prince Harry, but not for Prince Charles. So depending on how the situation goes, once succession is underway, will we see the numbers for the monarchy drop or stay as high as they are? 
The other reason here is Quebec. There's very few Quebecers who are proud of the monarchy, 22%. Highest in the entire country is Alberta at 57. So if we didn't have Quebec in this particular finding, the numbers for the monarchy would be considerably higher. Oh, that is so interesting. Now, there were some positive things here as well. It's You said um, 66% of Canadians said they're proud of multiculturalism, and the number was even higher in B.C. Yes, this is one of the things that sets us apart from the rest of Canada. We go to 73% in B.C. who are proud of multiculturalism, and also we have uh, the highest uh, number of uh, satisfied Canadians, if you will, when it comes to Indigenous culture. 56% say that they are proud of it in Canada, climbs to 63% in BC. So when it comes to multiculturalism and indigenous culture, we are definitely prouder than the rest of the country. Right. And one of the things that really defines Canada as well, Mario, is our bilingualism. Did we ask anybody about that, about the two languages? We did. 55% of Canadians say that they are proud of bilingualism. The number climbs drastically in Quebec to 64%. So it's, it's one of those situations where Quebecers are more likely to say bilingualism is one of the things that make me proud of being Canadian. The monarchy, not so much. Okay, so what do you think this tells us then, Mario? What can we learn about how Canadians feel? Well, what I like about this is there's a lot of information here that really allows you to look at the regional differences. You know, there's uh, so many definitions of what it means to be Canadian, so many uh, different ways into looking at what makes us proud. And, And what's fascinating to me looking at the findings is It really depends on the type of Canada that you have. In B.C., for instance, indigenous culture, multiculturalism, way high. In Quebec, bilingualism. This is important for them. They want to be part of the country and they want to continue to have two official languages. Climbs all the way to 64%. And you also see some of the differences between governance. Uh, To see the the, the wide range of, uh, of numbers that we get on the healthcare system certainly suggests that there are some specific areas of the country that are dealing with it better and others are definitely lagging behind. All right. Well, listen, Mario, thank you so much for that. My pleasure to be anytime. What a great picture of Canadians on Canada Day. That's Mario Conseco from Research Company. Nobody has written me and said Justin Bieber, but we thought we were going to play it for you anyway because he's a good Canadian boy. So there you go. You got some Justin Bieber on this Canada Day regardless. Uh, Right now, we're going to talk about one of the events going on down here at the Canada Day celebrations at Canada Place today, but one that you can also take part in beyond just today. It's some new programs that are being offered by Parks Canada where they want to teach Canadians and encourage them to camp more this summer so we've got a couple of guests here with us we've got caitlin bowden we've got gwen marty from parks canada joining us hi ladies hello Hello. thanks for having us well thanks for being here you guys have a booth is it down at that end of we do at the jackpool plaza right in front of the cactus club okay nice location yeah that's where all the food is down there Uh, and what can people see when they go down there we've got all sorts of different games and activities we have a trivia which we will quiz your knowledge on camping my knowledge Uh, yes your knowledge not gonna go well (laughs) Are you a first-time camper? No, no, no. I grew up camping. Camping's very big in my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, that's that's all we did every Mm -hmm. summer. But then when I had kids of my own, I was like, I'm done camping. Oh, well, you need to come to one of our programs and introduce your children. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, they're too old. They can go camping on their own now. But you tell me. uh, what are Tell me about some of these programs. Yeah, so we're going to be running free workshops throughout the community uh, on animal safety. So we're going to be educating the public on bears, cougars, and wolves, what to expect if you encounter one of these uh, animals in the in the wild as well as camp cooking which is a program that no, Gwen and 
IT. Together, yeah. yeah, Gwen, tell me about that then. What do you teach people for camp cooking? So we teach them how to use a stove, how to build campfires, um, as well as how to pack for your camping trips. So there's a lot of things that people need to consider before they actually go out. So we have some tips and tricks, cooler packing. We have a Jeopardy game, which is really fun. And then we always provide really delicious camping meal ideas and recipes. Are s'mores involved in this? Of course, yeah. <laughs> right? Have you ever heard of a s'mortilla before? No. What's a s'mortilla? Smortillas are basically s'mores, but you make them on a tortilla. And so you put your tortilla, your chocolate chips, marshmallows, you can put fruit, and then you put it on a pan, First and it gets all, all warm and gooey. Nobody puts fruit on a s'more, because <laughs> that's s'more. just wrong. <laughs> and then you put the whole thing on a pan. Yeah, so you wrap it in tinfoil, and you can either put it on your fire or in your fire, and then or on your pan, um, and it becomes this gooey, delicious... May I add something to your recipe? Yes. So tortilla, mm -hmm. chocolate chips marshmallows crushed graham crackers yes. oh yes good right so and then crunch yeah so yeah. everybody's nodding mm -hmm. their head down mm -hmm. then you <laughs> fold it in half so you get like a quesadilla s'more thing with the crunch in the middle of it yes. this is not your first rodeo it is not no. No. <laughs> not when it comes to food that's about all i can offer uh, do you oh, awesome. talking about the packing though do you th what are the common mm. mistakes gwen do you think that people make when it comes to getting ready to go camping yeah so a lot of people don't realize that um you need to consider perishables when you go camping so always packing a cooler um, and we go through that as well as always pre-cooking some of your food so especially meat is a big one that can easily go bad so yeah having that pre-cooked and then chopping your veggies ahead of time people just think what you just buy all this and this was actually why I stopped camping it's because I was like if I'm gonna do all this kitchen work I'm gonna do it in my own kitchen yeah but people love doing this outdoors don't they you can even make cakes when you're camping you can yeah but do I want to <laughs> <laughs> you can buy it and bring it on your trip. That's yeah. fine, too. Okay, Everything is more delicious when you're camping. That is sure. so true. Now, yeah. tell me about the popularity of these programs, because this is a relatively new thing that you guys have started. But why do you think it was necessary? Have we forgotten how to like just do all this on our own? So that's a great question. Uh, there are quite a few barriers out there that we, as a Learn to Camp team, are trying to uh, overcome. So we're offering these programs free in the community to teach people how to recreate safely and effectively. And we ultimately want to inspire people to get outdoors and find their own connection with nature. And uh, through these programs, we offer all the skills that you need to know so you are well equipped to recreate safely and effectively. Um, I love the way you use recreate as a verb. That was great. Uh, build up your tents. What kind of program is this? That is one of our most popular programs where we teach uh, Canadians how to set up a tent with the leave no trace principles. Have you heard of those? Yeah, I have, but I wish more people would follow them, don't you? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Pack out uh, what you pack in, uh, leave what you find. Leave what you find. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know one? Basic principles. Basic principles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. leave what you find. You shouldn't be taking stuff like out of the woods, period, right? Like no. if it's there, you leave it there. Exactly. Uh, what about, an you talked about animal aware. Animal when, it, what do you yeah. teach the kids about that? Yeah, so we have a bunch of activities. Most of them are around prevention. Right. So the things that you can do to prevent animal encounters. So um, at your campsite, you never want to leave any of your food in your tent, right? You always want to put it in the car or put it in a bear barrel or box. Um, Lock it up, man. Lock exactly. it up. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find out more about this if they want to take some of these courses? We have a Facebook page called Vancouver Learn to Camp, and there will be information there as well as our website. And there's a schedule. It will be available all around Vancouver. 
mm-hmm. yeah, at libraries at and uh, different locations. Yeah, you've got Woodward's Landing in Richmond. You've got some other national historic sites, Gulf Islands National Park Reserve coming up at the end of July. Yes. So we have our Learn to Camp Overnight programs, which is very exciting. Yeah. And this will be $22 per participant where we will actually take you camping, you and your family, mm-hmm. uh, to these different national parks, That's historic so cool. sites, and places that we've partnered with. And we'll be running our workshops throughout the weekend. So okay. animal safety, build up your tents, camp cooking. What is the website? website is www.pc.gc.ca slash Vancouver. Sounds good. Thanks, ladies. Thank you so much for having us. Go come and see us down here. We're live at Canada Place for Canada Day.